Hi, this is Ray Martinez, and thank you for joining my podcast today. Our biblical study today is about what does the Bible say about handling anger? This is really a difficult topic to talk about, but we're going to start off by just reading a reference in the Bible, Mark chapter 3, verses 3 through 6. And it says, Jesus said to the man with the deformed hand, Come and stand in front of everyone. Then he turned to his critics and asked, Does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath, or is it a day of doing evil? Is this a day to save or to destroy it? But they wouldn't answer him. He looked around at them angrily and was deeply saddened by their hard hearts. Then he said to the man, Hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand and it was restored. At once the Pharisees went away and met with the supporters of Herod to plot how to kill Jesus. So you see two sets of anger here. One is Jesus was angered by their behavior. And then you see the Pharisees after the miracle was performed, they were angered so much that they want to try to kill Jesus. Two different types of anger. Handling anger is an important life skill. Christian counselors report about 50% of people who come in for counseling have problems dealing with anger. Anger can shatter communication, it tears apart relationships, it ruins both the joy and the health of many people close to us, maybe they're family, maybe they're not, but it's damaging. Sadly, people tend to justify their anger instead of accepting responsibility for it. Everyone struggles to some varying degree with anger. Thankfully, God's Word contains principles regarding how to handle anger in a godly manner and how to overcome sinful anger. Anger is not always sin. There is a type of anger of which the Bible approves, often called righteous indignation. God is angry, and it is acceptable for believers to be angry. Let's just take a look at Psalms 7:11. It says, God is an honest judge. He is angry with the wicked every day. So God does get angry. Mark 3, 5 says he looked around at them angrily and was deeply saddened by their hard hearts. Then he said to the man, hold out your hand. Remember, we just got through reading that. And that was a different kind of anger. That was a righteous anger. But we look at Ephesians 4.26, and it says, And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. So there is this anger that can control you. And he says, don't let it turn into a sin. Don't let it control you. There's two Greek words in the New Testament are translated as anger. One means passion or energy, and the other means agitated and boiling. Biblically, anger is God-given energy intended to help us solve problems. Examples of biblical anger includes David's being upset over hearing Nathan, the prophet, sharing an injustice. You see that in 2 Samuel chapter 12. And Jesus' anger over how some of the Jews had defiled worship at God's temple in Jerusalem. You read that story in John chapter 2, verses 13 through 18. Notice that neither of these examples of anger involved self-defense, but a defense of others 
or of a principle. That being said, it is important to recognize that anger at an injustice inflicted against oneself is also appropriate. Anger has been said to be a warning flag. It alerts us to those times when others are attempting to uh, violate our boundaries. God cares for each individual. Sadly, we we don't always stand up for one another, meaning that sometimes we must stand up for ourselves. And that might include some anger. This is especially important when considering the anger that victims often feel. Victims of abuse, violent crimes, or their violation against themselves or others. Often while experiencing the trauma, they do not experience anger. But later on, in working through that trauma, anger will emerge. For a victim to reach a place of true health and forgiveness, he or she has to first accept the trauma for what it is. They can't reverse that trauma in the sense because the crime has already happened. In order to fully accept that an act was unjust, one must sometimes experience anger. Because of the complexities of trauma recovery, this anger is often not short-lived, particularly for victims of abuse. Victims should process through their anger and come to a place of acceptance, even forgiveness. That's hard to say. It's hard to do. This is often a long journey. As God heals the victim, the victim's emotions, including anger, will follow. Allowing the process to occur does not mean that a person is living in sin. Anger can become sinful when it is motivated by pride. Take a look at James chapter 1, verse 20, and it says, Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. There's a difference. When it is unproductive and, and it distorts God's purpose. And 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Everything that you do, even if it's anger, do it that glorifies God. Turn it into a righteous anger. Or when anger is allowed to linger, that's not good. Ephesians 4 verse 26 through 27 talks about that. One obvious sign that anger has turned to sin is when instead of attacking the problem at hand, we attack the wrongdoer. Ephesians 4 verses 15 through 19 says we are to speak the truth in love and use our words to build others up, not allow rotten or destructive words to pour from our lips. Unfortunately, this poisonous speech is a common characteristic of fallen man. You read that in Romans chapter 3, verses 13 through 14. Anger becomes sin when it is allowed to boil over without restraint, resulting in a scenario which hurt is multiplied, as we see in Proverbs 29, verse 11. Often the consequences of out-of-control anger is irreparable. Anger also becomes sin when the anger one refuses to be pacified holds a grudge or keeps it all inside. People let it build up. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 through 27. That really speaks to this. Really, this kind of behavior, it can cause depression, irritability over little things, which are often unrelated to the underlying problem. So you see these outbursts of anger for no reason, or you think, my goodness, this person got upset over something so small. 
We can handle anger biblically by, first of all, recognizing and admitting our prideful anger and our wrong handling of an anger because that turns into sin. Proverbs 28, 13 speaks exactly to this. People who conceal their sin will not prosper, but if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. That's important. How you handle anger. You look at 1 John 1, 9. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. That's a way of cleansing ourselves. This confession should be both to God and to those who have been hurt by our anger. We should not minimize the sin by excusing it or blaming or shifting. We can handle anger biblically by seeing God in the trial. This is especially important when people have done something to offend us. James 1, verse 2 through 4, Romans 8, verses 28 through 29, and Genesis 50, verse 20, all point to the fact that God is sovereign over every circumstance and person that crosses our path. Nothing happens to us that he does not cause or allow. Though God does allow bad things to happen, he is always faithful to redeem them for the good of his people. God is a good God. Psalms 145 verses 8 verses 9 verses 17 talk about this. Reflecting on this truth until it moves from our heads to our hearts. This is important. Reflect on this because it has to move from the head to the heart. And this is what's going to alter how we react to those who hurt us. We can handle anger biblically by making room for God's wrath. This is especially important in cases of injustice when evil men abuse innocent people. Genesis 50 verse 19 and Romans 12 19 both tell us not to play God. God is righteous and just and we can trust him who knows all and sees all to act justly. You read that in Genesis chapter 18 verse 25. We can handle anger biblically by returning good for evil. Genesis 50 verse 21, Romans 12 verse 21 says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That's a tough one. This is key to converting our anger into love. As our actions flow from our hearts, so also our hearts can be altered by our actions. Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 through 48. That is, we can change our feelings towards one another by changing how we choose to act towards that person that supposedly offended us or maybe we've offended them and they became offended and consequently no agreements. We can handle anger biblically by communicating to solve the problem. There are six basic rules of communication uh, shared in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 15 and verses 25 through 32. I encourage you to take the time to read those verses. The first point, or takeaway we should say, is to be honest and speak. We read that in Ephesians 4.15 and verse 25. People cannot read our minds. We must speak the truth in love. Second point, stay current. Ephesians 4 verses 26 through 27. We must not allow what is bothering us to build up 
until we lose control. It is important to deal with what is bothering us before it reaches critical mass. Point number three, attack the problem, not the person. Ephesians 4, 29 and verse 31. Along this line, we must remember that the importance of keeping the volume of our voice low. Proverbs 15, verse 1. It's a good reference for this. Point number four, act, don't react. Ephesians 4, 31 through 32. Because of our fallen nature, our first impulse is often a sinful one, as it says in verse 31. The time spent in counting to 10 should be used to reflect upon the godly way to respond, as it says in verse 32, and to remind ourselves how the energy and that anger should be used to solve problems and not create bigger ones. Point number five. At times, we can handle anger preemptively by putting a stricter boundaries. We are told to be discerning. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 15 through 16. And Matthew 10, 16. We need not cast our pearls before the swine, as it says in Matthew 7, 6. Sometimes our anger leads us to recognize that certain people are unsafe for us. So we can still forgive them, but we may choose not to re-enter that relationship or stay away from them. Here's point number six. Finally, we must act to solve our part of the problem. We cannot control how others act or respond, but we can make the changes that need to be made on our part. Overcoming a temper is not accomplished overnight, but through prayer, Bible study, and reliance upon God's Holy Spirit, ungodly anger can be overcome. We may have allowed anger to become entrenched in our lives by habitual practices, but we can also practice responding correctly until that too becomes a habit and God is glorified in our response. To recapture some of the thoughts of how to handle anger biblically, we can handle anger biblically by recognizing and admitting, by seeing God in the trial, by making room for God's wrath, by returning good for evil, by communicating to solve the problem. Tough topic. Have a great day.